welcome to the Howling Monkey Reads the Comics. Today is Sunday, February 18, 2018. Let's take a look and see what's happening in the funnies together, shall we? I hope everyone is having a delightful winter's day. Uh, it's starting to look like spring here. Uh, despite that, the Winter Olympics are in full effect, full force. They're fully happening. And I'm uh, as excited as I, I cannot get excited about the Winter Olympics because uh, it's, well, you know, it's just too many of the events are subjective. And I don't, I don't like sports that are subjectively scored because to me, that makes them not sports. Oh, and look, I know you're going to say, oh, but every sport has a subjective element to it. Yes, yes, they do. But but the Winter Olympic sports are determined solely by subjectivity, and I'm, I'm not. And look, I know some of them aren't. There's like speed skating and leaping off of a ramp with skis, which is the name of the event. But most of it, like figure skating and uh, mainly figure skating, is just completely subjective, and I'm I'm against it. So now that we've ta- tackled that tough topic. Let's move on to what's happening in the comedy of the funnies in the comics today. Our first comic of the day is The Born Loser by Art and Chip Sansom. In this particular episode, the uh, Born Loser is is talking to his Uncle Ted, who is reading a book. And we can see the book has no actual writing on it. It's just blank white pages. Now, I assume that it probably does, but this is just the Sansoms being a little... A little lazy and not putting squiggly marks to represent that, but it looks like he's just looking at blank white pages. Um, anyway, uh, Uncle Ted says, "Oh, is saying he says, oh, you're reading a book. Is that a bestseller?" And Uncle Ted says, "Oh my goodness, no! It's a obscure nonfiction book because I'm a big history buff. I doubt you'd have any interest in it, which is pretty condescending." And then Brutus says, "Oh, I might be surprised. What is it?" And he goes, "Well, are you familiar with the Taft Hartley Act?" Uh, and then Brutus goes, uh, yeah, I think I saw them on David Letterman once. And the joke here, of course, is that the born loser thinks that the the Taft-Hartley act is like a musical act or some kind of act that would do a show, and he does not realize that it is a an important labor relations law. So uh, that's why that's funny there, is that we get to see just how foolish the born loser is for not being up on labor relations. Hey, her next comic of the day is Arlo and Janice. Uh, in this episode, uh, um, Arlo is stirring a pot of, I guess, probably shrimp because he's singing a Jimmy Buffett song about strumming my sixth string, smelling the shrimp that they're beginning to blow, whatever. And then Janice comes in holding her nose, her nose and spraying a can of, uh, of, deodorizer i guess and she's 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 spraying it through three panels in which she goes pss the can is emitting that along with toxic fumes and uh and arlo goes well you're being a bit of a buzzkill don't you think and she goes hey it's tropical mango and the joke here is that tropical mango uh fits jimmy buffett songs because uh because, you know, well, I think they're actually trying to say it's because he's, you know, he sings tropical songs, uh, so tropical mango would be appropriate. But but I, I think the real joke is that, uh, that Janice thinks that the shrimp 
like Jimmy Buffett stinks. I'm not saying that. Do not send me angry parrothead emails. I don't need it. I don't want it. Send them to, to Janice, who is being mean to Arlo yet again by, by making him not enjoy the delights that are Jimmy Buffett. Uh, and I, I, for one, find that shameful. All right, our next comic of the day is Herb and Jamal by Stephen Bentley. In this episode, um, uh, somebody is saying, um, I think I think it's I think it's Herb's mother is saying, "Oh, well, happy anniversary to you and Sarah." Uh, no, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Jamal is saying that because he then says, "Thanks, Jamal." Couldn't tell because the the, the thought balloons are coming out of the house, and we didn't we had not cut to the interior yet. Uh, and then her, her goes, yeah, I like to stop and think about that day every year. And the mother goes, yeah, me too. Um, and, uh, and, oh, it's the mother-in-law, I think. And she goes, yeah, she says, too bad you weren't around back then to enjoy it, Jamal. And Herb says, but he, he was there. Jamal was the best man. And then Eula goes, really? Well, wait a minute. If Jamal was the best man, why did Sarah marry you? <laughs> the joke, the joke here is that uh, the term "the best man" is just the rep- uh, the best man in a wedding is the one that stands by the groom and helps do a lot of planning. But the joke is that if he is indeed the best man, shouldn't the bride have married him? And this is a joke that's been around in one form or another since 1804, and we've heard it pretty regularly since. But that's a joke. There is that if Jamal is the best man. You get it. Our next comic... Okay. Our next comic of the day is Ziggy by Tom Wilson. And in this episode, a... um, All right. Let me... Ziggy is sitting in a doctor's waiting room, and a man in scrubs with a blindfold comes up to him, and it kind of freaks Ziggy out. And then a nurse comes up behind the doctor and removes the blindfold and says, Ziggy, the doctor can see you now. Wow. The joke... The, the, the joke here is they, they often say that when the doctor's ready for a patient, they say the doctor can see you. But in this case, literally, the doctor can see him because he had a blindfold and it's been taken off. And so they're, they're just making fun of a, uh, a doctor trope. The doctor can see you now. Well, yes, indeed, he can because, lo, he is no longer wearing You know, man, if a doctor were going around his office wearing a blindfold and freaking out patients, I think that there would be issues. Probably someone would file a complaint with, you know, I don't know. I don't know who would get that complaint, but no doubt somebody would. Our next comic of the day is Blondie by Dean Young and former Supreme Court Justice John Marshall. In this episode... um, Okay, we see outside the house, and someone's saying, on your mark, get set. And what? what's this? Dagwood is skiing down his stairs. And he's saying, oh, hey, today's about Olympic glory. And then, then he's in a bobsled with his friends, setting a world record pace to get to work. Then he's speed skating to the elevator. And then he's on the medal stand, getting a gold medal. And then, then we we learn that this was not really happening. It was just just a dream. He goes, oh, I had the most wonderful dream of the thrill of victory. And then they cut to the next panel, the last panel, and he goes, and now to the agony of the workday. And he's typing on his computer, doing his job, whatever that is. I do not know what Dagwood does, but he's tapping away on the keyboard. In fact, the sound 
words are, are tippity-tap-tap. And his boss goes, hey, keep it up, Bumstead, and you'll be disqualified. Uh, or you'll be disqualified. So the joke here is that Dagwood's all hopped up on excitement about the Olympics, but the workday is not as exciting, and his boss is once again threatening to fire him, as he does on a d- daily basis. I do believe that that this guy, Mr. Was it Mr. Dithers, I think, is really just a terrible, terrible boss, and he creates a hostile work environment. I'm not saying in the legal sense, don't be worrying about. I'm not making any legal, legal advice or or analysis of the Bumstead Works site, whatever. I don't even know the name of it, but anyway, I'm just saying, perhaps he'd get better productivity if he weren't so just awful and threatening to fire them at all times. I Perhaps he should go through a management training course. Her next comic of the day is Dennis the Menace, the long-time look. Because Dennis the Menace on Sunday names their strips, and this one's the long-time look. And uh, in this episode, oh, look, Dennis is once again at the Wilson's house because his parents do not supervise or apparently like him. Uh, so he's over there bothering the neighbors, and he's, he's saying, hey, you know, Mr. Wilson, uh, my dad says that when couples are married a long time, they, they start to look alike. Uh, and Mr. Wilson goes, ah, that sounds like a bunch of malarkey. And then Dennis goes, oh, yeah? Well, then how do you explain Mrs. Wilson's mustache? Whoa. And the joke here is that Dennis is incredibly rude. And, and it's upsetting to Mrs. Wilson to be told that she has a mustache. And, by the way, I see no indication of a mustache on Mrs. Wilson whatsoever. There is zero indicia of facial hair on her, and barely any on Mr. Wilson, I might add. So, I think Hank Ketchum's making a rude joke for, for no, no reason. Our next comic of the day is Mutz, Patrick, okay, Patrick McDonald. In this, um, in this episode, there's an older woman, I think it's the lady that owns the animals, lying on the side of the road on a pillow with a long robe of multicolored stripes. She is holding a walking stick. Uh, she has a lute and, and there's a vase. And she has one eye open and one eye closed. Uh, and the cat is sitting on her, staring at her. That's the strip. Um, maybe it's a, you know, maybe this is a takeoff on a famous painting that I'm not that familiar with. Or maybe it's a dream sequence. Or, um... Uh, it's, uh, I don't know what's happening, man. Don't know what's happening. This one feels phoned in. I think, I think I'm convinced this is a famous painting. I don't know which one. No, I, I feel free to write me a nasty email telling me what famous painting this is. But I think the joke is that the, the creator of Mutz didn't feel like doing anything funny. He just wanted to copy a famous painting. And so he made a creepy painting of a cat staring at an older woman lying on the side of the road. He looks like he might eat her, which would be terrible. (sighs) Okay, so that happened. Our next comic of the day is Henry by Don Tracty, and as you'll recall, Henry is a lad who never speaks. 
Um, so in this episode, his mother sends him somewhere. We don't know what she's saying because it doesn't say. But then in the next panel, the mystery is solved because he's at a millinery a hat shop. It says millinery. Uh, and he gets this giant hat box and he has trouble getting it home because it's so it's as big as like a, a drum from a marching band. And he, he's, he's dragging it around. The wind blows it away. Uh, he wheels it along. Um, and he finally gets it home. And then he gives it to his mother. And his mother opens it up. And uh, she goes through the paper. And inside this enormous, enormous box is a wee tiny hat. And the joke, it's just so, so tiny. It's a silly little tiny hat. Um, and Henry throws up his hands and in disgust or bafflement or a combination thereof. And the joke here is that why would you use such a big box for such a little hat? And I, that's that would be Jerry Seinfeld's take on that. And it would have been very funny had he done it. Uh, but that is the joke. There's a tiny hat in a giant box. Our next comic of the day is the hey, it's the family circus. Oh, this will be you know this will be good. In this episode, uh, the kids are, okay, they're in the living room, and the parents are in the kitchen, and this house, as you know, changes configurations daily, so today, they have an open floor plan in which the kitchen and the living room are connected, and, uh, you know, the dad is telling telling mom that, you know, the, the best thing about the Olympics is it teaches kids the value of physical training and endurance. And then, then we hear what the kids are saying, and they're saying, "Huh." Dolly says they should give a gold medal for the shortest national anthem. And then, and then Billy says, "Man, if they had a video game event, I'd win it for sure." And and then uh, Jeffy says, "Hey, Billy, you've been the official Olympics remote controller all day. It's now my turn." And those are the things the kids say that are learning about physics and endurance, but they're just making. Dolly would like to hear a short national anthem. Billy would like to play video games all the time because that's what these kids do, you know. And then uh, Jeffy would like to control the remote. And uh, PJ, PJ doesn't care. He's just hanging out. And um, their two dogs are in there too. Um, that's what's funny. That's what's funny about the band. You know... <laughs> That is, there's nothing funny there. There is nothing arguably funny there, nor is it really much about the Olympics other than it shows the kids. Kids would rather play video games than watch people luge and curl. And the fact of the matter is, who can blame them? Finally today, Andy Cap is drunk. This program was brought to you by Law Dog Productions, LLC. All content copyright Law Dog Productions, LLC. To contact us, email joe at thehowlingmonkey.com. And if you'd like to support The Howling Monkey, you can do so on Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash thehowlingmonkey.